If science fiction stories are to be believed, the invention of artificial intelligence inevitably leads to apocalyptic wars between machines and their makers. In the early stages, computers are taught to play simple games of tic-tac-toe and chess. Later, machines are given control of traffic lights and communications, followed by military drones and missiles. The machine's evolution takes an ominous turn once the computers become sentient and learn how to teach themselves. Having no more need for human programmers, humankind is then deleted. That passage was from the book Machine Learning with R by Brett Lance. And welcome to Tech Stories. Today's episode, I will cover AI. We'll dive into some technical aspects of AI, as well as my key takeaways with regards to the social implications. We hear about AI everywhere, whether in news or in fictional works of art. A lot of us grew up on science fiction, and maybe the topic of AI isn't that unusual. In a way, we may ask ourselves, how come it's taken so long? For some, maybe AI is a new subject, a subject that brings about curiosity and maybe even caution. As a side note, I plan on making a series of podcasts to cover AI. The topic is very broad and rapidly evolving. I hope to keep these episodes entertaining and informative. Please let me know if you have any ideas or feedback. So what is artificial intelligence? We have all seen or read science fiction. There is no shortage of AI characters from Lieutenant Commander Data to a shiny beer can. One thing is for sure, there is no limit to human imagination when it comes to what AI should be. Perhaps a more interesting question is what can AI do? Science fiction is great in showing us what the potential end goals can be. But getting there, as well as dealing with real-world data, the economic challenges, including the cost of computing, can definitely change our expectations. It may be several years, if not several decades, before a physical computer with the sophistication of a human brain that has undergone hundreds of millions of years of evolution can become a reality. Cloud computing, which is a topic I will discuss in future episodes, will definitely increase our processing power. I think technologies like quantum computing and improved algorithms can help leapfrog humanity to emulate the brain but as of this podcast published date, these technologies are in their infancy. So what does that mean? AI can't exist until we have a computer with the processing power of a human brain. First, how do we even measure the processing power of a human brain? We've all heard of the Turing test, originally called the imitation game by the English mathematician Alan Turing. There are many systems now that are able to pass the test. I don't think it's that difficult for a machine to fool a person into believing they are interacting with a real person. But intelligence isn't just about fooling a person. It is about solving problems, whether you want to find a cure for a disease or communicate in a different language. So going back to the question about what can AI do? A good answer, and quite generic, 
is that AI can be used as a tool to solve problems. And you see this in the tech industry now where the push really is around identifying problems and using AI as a tool to solve these problems. So it shouldn't surprise anyone that we are surrounded by technologies that are AI or labeled AI. This isn't just a marketing gimmick. AI exists, it already exists. Most of us use it on a daily basis. It has become ubiquitous in our modern existence, almost like wearing clothes. As for the problem of not having enough processing power in a single computer or network of computers, if we're just trying to solve a narrow problem, maybe we don't need a processor with the abilities of a human brain. If we scale down our expectations and simplify our needs, maybe something with the processing power of, let's say, a bee is enough? Bees are able to explore the world, find flowers, and return to their hives, even tell other bees about their journey. Bees do this very well, and maybe we don't need a human brain to drive a car. You sometimes hear experts talk about how robots and AI can do the dull, boring, and dangerous jobs. So maybe a bee-brained robotic taxi is perfectly reasonable. The year was 1989. People had funny hair. Bell-bottoms had already been invented. And some dude at IBM decided to challenge Gary Kasparov to chess. His challenger was a machine called Deep Thought, a machine capable of calculating 500 million positions after each chess move. But even with these capabilities, the machine lost, twice, to the human. So what's next? Did the folks at IBM give up? Sure, for a little bit. A couple of years later, the engineers at IBM came back to Kasparov, this time with a new machine, Deep Blue. The machine lost again. After six matches, the human won four times. Not to be called quitters, the folks at IBM decided to challenge Kasparov again. The year 1997 rematch included two wins for the computer, one win for the human, and three draws. They did it. They defeated the human grandmaster. The world was now a better place. When we talk about AI, it's important to separate AI into two categories. IBM's Deep Thought and Deep Blue fall under a category known as Narrow AI, or Artificial Narrow Intelligence. Other examples of Narrow AI include smart assistants like Siri or Alexa or Google Assistant. Spam filters are another example of Narrow AI. And possibly self-driving cars. These AIs use innovations in machine learning, deep learning, and natural language processing, all topics that I plan on covering in future episodes. These AIs can excel in their particular narrow domain. The other type of AI is general AI, or also known as artificial general intelligence. Tools like ChatGPT and Google Bard are attempts at this. These AIs, in theory, aren't just limited to a narrow domain. In theory, with cyber-interconnected global computing networks, these AGIs can grow beyond their programming. I recently tested BARD, Google's AI attempt, and decided to see how effective it is. I asked the AI, can you create a Python script that simulates and plots the planets in the solar system? 
After about 5 seconds, the AI spit out a script. I plugged the script into my machine and very quickly I had a web page on my local browser with the simulated solar system and the current known relational location of all the planets. That script did not include Pluto, by the way. 5 seconds. I remember taking a Python course in college, and this was my project. It must have taken me two weeks reading every Python cookbook just to write the script on my own. The power of these tools can be immense, especially to developers, students, and artists. General Atomics MQ-9 Reaper, an improvement on the MQ-1 Predator drone powered by a 900 horsepower turboprop motor. Maximum speed 300 miles per hour or 480 kilometers per hour. Endurance of 27 hours. Capable of carrying Hellfire missiles, laser-guided bombs, and Stinger air-to-air -air missiles. Quintessential drone featured in Hollywood movies and every time a news event shows an attack on a terrorist or terrorist training camp. It is said that the Predator and Reaper drone series have killed more terrorists than any other aircraft types in the U.S. military inventory. But for all of its advancements, the Reaper's fire control, its ability to launch and use weapons, is human-operated. All drone kills have taken place at the directive of a human. Or at least that's what we know of. The aircraft is capable of using smart computers and AI for other mission parameters, including navigating, flight control, and reconnaissance. But the trigger button is controlled by a meat sack human. Is it normal to feel uneasy about the alternative, where a drone can fly to a target, identify a human as the bad guy, and activate weapons? A system like this would have to employ AI. It should know how to read all different parameters and make fluid decisions and choices. We are now approaching an artificial intelligence that could be sentient, but armed with Hellfire missiles. It's something to think about. The truth is that if AI is going to harm humanity, the scenario where an armed drone is the threat is actually and probably unlikely. I believe a more serious threat has to come from AIs that social engineer humans through information. Whether that information is spread through social media or news. We've seen and heard of how social engineering can be used to alter voter sympathy. Social engineering AIs, in my opinion, pose the single greatest threat to humanity as far as AI is concerned. So what are some of those rewards? How about an AI robot that is able to clean up toxic waste, including exposed nuclear materials? How about a surgical robot that is able to perform very precise surgery and a medical AI that is able to detect tumors or medical problems in a patient just by data mining? The dull, the boring, and the dangerous. If AI and robots can do these tasks very well, maybe we can see dramatic improvements in human life expectancy. Education, healthcare, and food security. How about climate change? Can we use AI to model and predict future climate events better and more accurately? Sure, and we already do this now. Agencies like NASA and NOAA already employ AI tools. 
Maybe we can use AI to better model chemicals that can absorb carbon from the atmosphere. This way we can mitigate the effects of climate change. Heck, we can even use similar AIs to design better fuels and batteries. Also, let's not forget about the B-Brain robotic taxis. I will definitely have to spend time in future episodes discussing autonomous vehicles. With the rise of Uber and Lyft and the impact that had on the taxi industry, I think we can only imagine the impact the robotic autonomous vehicles would have on society as a whole. Will private vehicle ownership even be a thing in the future? How about public transportation? How will these applications impact the job market? Maybe it's not a bad idea to start talking about minimum incomes. These are powerful subjects and aspects of AI that will play out in the next few years. To summarize, I wanted to make this episode to get a little technical, but also talk about my key takeaways. Sadly, I don't think I have even scratched the surface of this topic, and I do plan on focusing on specific aspects in future episodes. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe and like this channel, and thank you, and I will see you next time. Mr. Precious, the use of marijuana.